Oh, it was so nice to wake up this morning and it actually to feel like fall. Anyone else feel that way? Like it's not just pumpkin spice stuff in the sweltering heat anymore. Um, it was, it was actually felt like fall. Uh, we are, we are spending time together this season as a church kind of exploring the first three words of our, our vision statement. What, what it looks like to invite all people as a church. We, we, we say that we exist to invite all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. And in order to actually live into that identity, we have to do something. It's not, it's not sitting down and waiting for all people to come and follow Jesus. It's not, oh, just maybe people will come along and follow Jesus. It's the act of inviting people to join with us. We can say we want to be inviting and welcoming all we want, but until we actually do that, until we actually say, hey, come along and journey with us, it's just something that sounds nice. It's just something that sounds nice. So last Sunday, we, we talked about uh, Oliver the Other Oliver, the other, and the importance of seeking shalom or the complete well-being of those who are different from ourselves. Welcoming the outsiders, whether they're literal refugees or, or strangers, neighbors who are on the other side of the political aisle, those who have a completely different faith. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes intentionality to actually engage people who are different from us and invite them into a relationship with us. And it often pushes us out of our comfort zone. But it's something that Jesus emphasized over and over again, and it's something that he modeled over and over again. More often than not, it's difficult for the Olivers of our world to walk into a sanctuary like this. And we have to go above and beyond to actually invite them to join us. The same could be said when it comes to inviting the folks we're, we're talking about today. And uh, we're, we're talking about disinterested Doug or de-churched Doug and, and cousin Creaster. Uh, and, and throughout the series, you can look up at these, these Lego characters and kind of, kind of laugh. Of course, it's a, gro- a gross oversimplification. Anybody else want to say they're a Lego fan? Just me. Just, I love Legos. I absolutely love, love Legos, which is why, why we're talking about them. And, and yes, it's a bit of an exaggeration. It, it's, it's a bit of an exaggeration. And no, I'm not talking about somebody that I know named Doug. Some, I'm, I'm talking about people that we likely all know. Disinterested Doug and Cousin Creaster are the, the folks who are a little bit more familiar with the church than Oliver. Maybe they went as kids, but they haven't gone for a few years. Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Maybe they've been turned off by the church at one point or another. Or maybe they're just so busy that they're only really able to come on Christmas and Easter. And, and the question for us is how do we actually invite folks like Doug and Cousin Creaster? How do we actually live out our calling to invite all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. 
The way we go about extending the invitation is incredibly important, especially if and when the person that we're talking to has had a negative experience with the church. Our second scripture reminds us of our responsibility. It's a a passage that is talked about often. Uh, In fact, Faith preached on it just a couple of weeks ago, so you all should have it memorized by now. And it's something we we talk about quite a bit, not just just here. It's, It's talked about in many, many churches. It comes from the end of Matthew. It takes place right as the resurrected Christ appears to Mary Magdalene. She runs to tell the disciples, He's here, He's risen. Go to Galilee and meet him there. And then we read this. When the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we unpack Jesus' words here for the next 20 minutes or so, I want to ask you to think of the last time you invited someone to join you at church. The last time you invited someone to join you at church. Who was it? How did the invitation go? How did they receive it? What did you say? Maybe you can't think of a time. Because you, you always want to be careful so you don't want to be offensive. Or, or, on the other side of it, everyone you know is already here. Or at another church. Right? So, so you don't actually invite them. A little less than a month ago, our, our family was getting ready for church on, on Sunday morning. It was the weekend where we were all panicked about the hurricane that was coming. You all remember that Sunday? We were all panicked about the hurricane that was coming, and uh, it was one of our family's busier weekends. We had, uh, we had soccer practice, we had a, a baseball tournament, school had just started, and in the morning we woke up and we found out that baseball had been canceled. Our, our Sunday baseball commitment games had been canceled, so we weren't going to play the three games that day. It was awesome. And, and my wife, Haley, she comes into the garage and says, Baseball's canceled. Did you see the text? And I said, Oh. And she said, No, it's good. Baseball's, baseball has been canceled. I think I'm going to respond to the group message and invite everyone to come to church. She had barely gotten the words out of her mouth when I said, no, why would you do that? There was an awkward pause. And then I realized what I had just said. I, the pastor, the pastor was hesitant to invite the team and their family to come to church. I'm not sure what that says about the families on our baseball team. I'm not sure what it says about our church. I'm not totally sure what it says about me. But as soon as I said it, I had this this pit in my stomach. I finally came back to Haley and said, I am um, uh, 
just not sure that a text message is the, the, the right way to invite them to join us at, at church. And whether my reasoning was, was solid or not, there are right and wrong ways to invite people to join us at church. Especially when we live in a culture where fewer and fewer of our neighbors are actually coming. There are all kinds of studies out there that, that, uh, that, that discuss the decline of the church in America. And we're going to look at just a few of them. I'm going to highlight just a few of them. And my intent here isn't to point out, to point fingers at people. So please don't hear this. My intent isn't to point fingers. It's, it's not to heap shame at people. I just think it's important for us as a church to understand the realities of the culture that we live in. The realities of the world around us. And I should, I, give, I should give the caveat that these are the st- statistics for the United States, not for the rest of the world. The global church is a totally different story. The church in African countries is absolutely thriving. The church in Asian comp- countries is, act- is thriving, is growing. The church in South America is growing like crazy. So, so these are speaking specifically to the U.S. A couple different studies by Gallup, they show that while church attendance is down nearly 4% since we opened the doors after the p- pandemic, it's actually been a steady decline for decades. For decades. And Pew Research and another group has a study that shows the decline isn't just unique to Christianity in the United States. That it's, it's true across all Religions, people are attending their space of worship less and less often, with more and more people claiming to have no religious affiliation at all. And then there's Barna. Barna is a firm that focuses specifically on on, on church and culture and the relationship between church and culture. And it's done all kinds of research on how views on and around Christianity have changed. Somewhat surprisingly... One of their more recently, recent studies found that while the slow decline of the church has been going on for decades, just like Gallup reported before, that there's actually more millennials attending church today than there was before the pandemic. Does that surprise any of you? And fewer boomers attending church today than there was before the pandemic. It surprised me. It surprised me. So it's not just our church It's not just our denomination. Our denomination has plenty of these numbers as well. It's not just our neighborhoods. These are the realities around the entire country. Many of those who used to attend church every week now come twice a month. Those who used to come twice a month might come once, and those who used to come once a month now tend to show up six to eight times a year. There are a lot of disinterested Dugs and cousin Creasters in our world. And there's a lot of different reasons why Doug and cousin Creaster are showing up less frequently than they used to. We're not going to have time to unpack them all, but this list from Tom Rainer, uh, it only captures some of them. We're busy. No one really notices if we're not there on a Sunday morning. Other people in the church don't prioritize being there on Sunday, so, so why should I? 
Now, I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hands, but I'm guessing that most of us have had thoughts along these lines at one point or another in the last year or so. Some of them we may have thought even this morning as we were deciding to come or not. And I can all but guarantee the Dugs and the Cousin Creasers of the world have had them. So I got to be honest, when I, when I look at these statistics or talk to friends who either don't attend church anymore or at least less frequently than they once did, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged. Anybody else feel that at times? It's just easy to be like, oh, really? Last Sunday we looked at what the prophet Jeremiah said to a discouraged people. A discouraged people who were in exile in Babylon. And through him, God told those exiles, those discouraged people, to take a breath. To take a breath and to plant roots in the place where God had carried them. To build houses, to plant gardens, to let their kids get married, to seek the complete well-being of the place where they were. And I said during that time, that it was 70 years. They weren't going back. It was just how culture was. Our Old Testament reading today from Ezekiel comes from the other prophet who spoke during that season. He tells of a vision where he's taken back. He's taken back to Israel to a, a valley of dry bones and God asks him, can these bones live? Can these bones live? It was an important question for them. And it's an important question for the American church today. Ezekiel responds, God, you alone know. You're the only one who knows. And the Lord says, prophesy to these bones. Tell them, tell them I will breathe life into them. And as Ezekiel does, the bones come to life. God asked Ezekiel to do something, to speak. He responds. God shows up. New life is found. It's not all that different than what happens in the Great Commission. Jesus tells his disciples, you've been given authority to go and to meet people. Near and far, those who have experience in the synagogue and those who don't. Go and invite them to journey with you. Go. When they listen, when they act upon his words, the church is born and the world is changed. Somewhere along the way, probably about the time the word evangelism became a, a bad word in our culture today, Many of us forgot how to invite people to join us with the journey. We, we just forgot how to do it. Which takes us back to Doug and Cousin Creaster. In a world like the one we live in today, we have to choose our words carefully. There's just too much baggage. There's just too much baggage with what the church has been for a lot of people. We have to recognize that. The church has caused pain for a lot of people, for a lot of our neighbors. We have to recognize that. But that doesn't mean we should stop inviting them. 
that we should stop asking them to journey with us. I'm not asking us to stand on the corner to preach and pass out tracts, but I am asking us to pay attention to our neighbors, to notice them, to see what they're doing on Sunday morning, to see what needs they might have. I'm not asking us to to call the people who used to sit next to us in the pews and make them feel guilty for not being here. I'm not asking us to do that. But I am asking you to call, to check in on them and say, hey, how are you doing? You notice the difference? There's a difference between where were you and how are you. A very big difference. And I'm not asking us to invite every single person we meet to come to church, but at some point, we should probably extend an invitation or two. Jesus starts the Great Commission by reminding his followers that they are not alone, that they they are commissioned by God himself. So as we go, whether we're, we're going to work, whether we're going to the grocery store, or anywhere else, the implication is as we leave our house, we are commissioned. We go with the purpose of loving our neighbors, with showing hospitality, commissioned to do that. Make disciples. In Jesus' day, discipleship was something that carried a slow and deliberate process. It's the image of a mentor walking through life with a mentee, growing themselves as their mentee grows, struggling as they struggle. It doesn't at all mean to preach, to convert. One of my favorite theologians puts it this way. The word discipleship pictures students sitting around a teacher more than it does a repentant person kneeling at an altar. Making discipleship, making disciples is about spending time with others, sitting with them, hearing their stories, loving them simply for the fact that they've been created in God's image. That's the only reason. That's the only motive. You're created in God's image. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to hear your story. I'm going to offer you hospitality because you're an image bearer of God. That's why. So when it comes to disinterested Doug and and cousin Creaster, who are at least somewhat familiar with Jesus, our call is to keep showing up, to keep reaching out, to keep checking in. And as we check in, we are tasked with not making them feel guilty because they haven't been at church in six months or a year, or because they stopped prioritizing a Bible study that we were once a part of. It's joining them on their journey, finding out what's going on in their lives, praying for them, and reminding them that while the church is far from perfect, it's still here, and we still have a place for them. When Jesus invites the disciples to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, he's inviting them to participate in a, in a sacred moment. This is what faith preached about a couple weeks ago when we had uh, Hudson here and we were, we were baptizing him. He had his whole community here and, and we were celebrating the sacrament with him. 
It's one of the most significant parts of belonging to a church family. When infants are baptized, as was the case with Hudson, we join parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and recognizing that God is moving in that child's life before they can respond to that movement. And then, when adults are baptized, we get to hear about their commitment to God and we celebrate what God has begun as a community. So what does that have to do with disinterested Doug and Cousin Creaster? Well, to start, it's a ritual that they're likely familiar with, either because they've been baptized themselves or they've witnessed a friend's baptism or maybe they felt guilty for not having their own child baptized. It's a piece of what the church does that's still somewhat relevant in our culture, still happens in our culture all the time. And it's an opportunity to remind them, to remind us, actually, that we're never meant to journey alone. Baptism is also one of those things that can be a a touchy subject. So what does it look like for you to be the person who Doug and Cousin Creaster can actually come to with those touchy subjects? Without feeling judged. Right, where you're just going to listen and hear them struggle with whether or not their child should get baptized or hear them struggle about why their grandchild has or hasn't been baptized in one tradition or another. Do they feel comfortable coming to you with their stories, with their questions, with their pain? Then Jesus moves to teaching. One of my favorite books about following Jesus in a busy world like the one we live in is by Eugene Peterson. I've mentioned it a few times here before, and it's it's titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Discipleship in an Instant Society. I don't believe the Great Commission is about keeping a, a ledger about keeping a ledger of how many people we personally have, have led to Christ. It's not a competition. Great Commission is not a competition. It's not about keeping score. It's about walking with others, encouraging them toward Christ, and being there when the inevitable questions and challenges come. I remember hearing a, a friend and a mentor who was in his 90s at the time say that his own faith development, his own personal faith development, came through slow changes orchestrated by the Holy Spirit and that those slow changes were still happening in his 90s. So when it comes to disinterested Doug and Cousin Creaster, we need to be mindful of our own journeys. More often than not, our our faith journey isn't something that's linear. It's got ups and downs and goes all kinds of different directions. Again, our call is to just keep showing up to keep listening, to keep praying, to keep being a safe person for others. We can't allow ourselves to grow tired of showing hospitality. But when we do feel tired, Jesus speaks to that in the Great Commission too. He says, remember I'm with you. Remember that I'm with you. The God who told Jeremiah to have the exiles plant roots in Babylon and and, and showed Ezekiel the valley of dry bones 
is the same God who sent the disciples out on a mission and is the same God who is with us and with those on the fringes of our church today. Let's pray. Loving God, help us to be a a church that takes the call of the Great Commission seriously. Help us to be an inviting church showing an abundance of hospitality, both here on campus at WPC, as well as in our neighborhoods, as well as in our homes. We pray these things in your name. Amen.